Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, my name is Dave Everett. I'm the pastor here uh, at Lighthouse Discipleship. Anyway, uh, be aware with us, those who have been following with us regularly or even just joining us today. We're trying some new things with our live stream, so we're trying to dial in better. The goal is, uh, when we're done with this uh, experiment and whatnot, is to be able to live stream directly here on Facebook as well as directly onto our website, which is lighthousediscipleship.org. And uh, we're trying to get that dialed in. We've been uh, live streaming on Facebook for some time. We're trying to get it so we can live stream directly to our, 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 our website. So you can also join us for worship. You can also uh, submit a prayer request. You can uh, give. Uh, you can tithe and offerings or, or an offering to us. Uh, and some have been faithfully done, and we thank you for that. And so anyway, just to be better connected with us. We also have a YouTube channel, uh, which uh, we've had for some time, but we're now starting to advertise that a little bit more. And so it would be actually be, and the goal would actually be to live stream all three medias, our Facebook Live here, and then also YouTube, uh, YouTube channel, and as well as our website. Make uh, uh, plans to join us tonight at 6 o'clock, as we'll be live streaming as well. Uh, on our live stream page. I mean, well, hopefully you will know, get on our live stream page, but if, you, we, if nothing else, here at Facebook Live. Also, too, uh, and, with, and with that, actually, let me just finish up that advertisement. We, we are uh, finishing up our, our book, Don't Limit God. I think we still have probably two more weeks on this, on this book, and then we'll be starting a new book on the true nature of God. We'll talk about more about that as we get closer to that transition. Uh, and then uh, we're going to start Wednesdays, uh, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, which I believe is the 18th. I'm sorry, I should look at the calendar before I, I started our broadcast today. Uh, but anyway, uh, with the, uh, the week after next Wednesday, we're going to be doing a new Bible study on Facebook Live through live stream. Um, and, and we'll be doing on the book from Andrew Womack. It's called The New You and the Holy Spirit. The New You and the Holy Spirit. So anyway... Um, we're going to be talking about that on Wednesday nights uh, shortly. We'll be doing that broadcast or that live stream at 7 p.m. So uh, you can visit our, our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. You can get all of our, our teachings, uh, hopefully eventually live stream directly there. But all of, uh, all of our calendars, our events, our giving page, um, we, you can also view all of our previous Bible studies there. You can worship with us there. Uh, and we also have Bible classes, free Bible classes for us to join. All you got to do is register. It's a simple process. And then uh, you can, you, you can uh, take Bible classes from us free at any time. So anyway, a lot of stuff there, lighthouse.org. I'm going to stop my advertisements this morning, and we're going to go ahead and jump right back into our message uh, from last week. We've been talking the last few weeks about resting in His goodness. Back in 2004, uh, Sherry and I were at a crossroads. We were praying about something. We were actually more complaining about something, but we were praying in and, and between the complaints. And uh, God gave us a word, rest in my goodness, and I will take care of everything. Rest in my goodness, and I will take care of everything. Over the last, that was back in 2004, so the last 16 years, we've been learning what it means to rest in his, rest, first of all, rest. Rest in Him. Tr trust Him. Rely on Him. Uh, 
rest in his goodness. What does, what does it mean that he is a good, good father? He's a good, good God. And so resting in his goodness. And then uh, um, when it's taken us also 16 years, and I understand when God says he's going to take care of everything. Everything. When God says everything, what does he mean by everything? And so we're going to be, uh, we've been saying that, we're about halfway through uh, this teaching, which is a sequel to our previous teaching, which is about the garden restored. And so uh, these, these messages go hand in hand. And so uh, with, with uh, you can again visit our website to get those previous teachings. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and jump with us into uh, Psalm 34, verse 8. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Um, we're talking about, we're in the second segment of this uh, message or this series, talking about His goodness. We talked a couple weeks about resting, and now we're, kind of, we're talking, we, we ended last week with talking about His goodness, resting in His goodness. We're not just resting, we're not being passive, we're not being complacent, we're not being lazy, we are resting, we are trusting, we are relying on, we're waiting on, uh, uh, and resting in his, in, in his presence, yes, and we're going to talk about that this morning, but we're resting in his goodness, and so we're, we're talking about the goodness of God. So hopefully you got your Bibles, and you're in you're Psalm 34, verse 8, and David writes his old taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I want to do the latter part of that verse first. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. We've already established in this, in this series that resting in God means to trust him. Means to rely on him. Bless, so I could read, actually rephrase this verse, the last part of it. Blessed is the man who rests in him. Blessed is the man who rests in God. So we are blessed if we're resting in him. If we're not resting in him, if we're in, in a sense we're trusting us, or we're trusting the government, or we're trusting our, our brothers and sisters. <coughs> and I'm not saying there's not a certain level of trust in certain relationships, but we're resting not in our friends. We're not resting in the church. We're resting in God. <coughs> Excuse me. Hopefully that's making sense. Blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts or rests in him. But it begins to say in this verse, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I apologize in advance. I'll probably make you hungry uh, in this first part because we're talking about tasting. And it's hard to talk about tasting if unless you're talking about food. Because uh, if it's not food, it's not good food, I don't want to taste it. <laughs> okay? I'm not trying to be gross either. So, but I say point in time, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is good. He is a good, good Father. He is a good, good God. And we need to see, we need to taste it. And then, you know, we talked about tasting. Tasting is an experience. And we all have different tastes. And, and taste, actually, is not just restrained to food. Uh, we have different tastes in clothing. We have different tastes in music. We have different tastes in uh, um, maybe uh, decor. Uh, we have different tastes in colors. We have different tastes in styles uh, of, of various uh, natures. We, we have different tastes uh, and, and maybe companionship, friendships, uh, whatnot, personalities. Uh, so we have different tastes. 
primarily we, we, we associate with food, uh, but we have different tastes. You know, some people have different diets and tastes and whatnot. Uh, I'm a pretty much a, a meats and potatoes guy. Uh, when Sherry and I met, she asked what she paid for, and she forgot to, to, to put a, a little uh, uh, tagline in there about vegetables because that didn't come. In, that that would, those is kind of like you know when you get the package and it says batteries not included. Well, this one said vegetables not included. So uh, anyway, she's been trying to. To, trying to uh, make amendments on that, and uh, anyway, good luck. Uh, so anyway, but I'm a meat potatoes guy. I'm the kind of guy with my when it comes to things, if I like it, I eat it. If I don't like it, I don't want to eat it. Uh, it's been pretty much like that. Even if it's good for me, I if I don't like it, I really don't want to eat it. Now I'm not saying I don't eat good stuff, but if you were asked my honesty, I don't want to eat it. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 if it's if it's good for me, I don't really have a lot of restraints from that department, and uh, I want to eat it. I like it. And so, I mean, I, I use my other senses that way. I listen to what I like. I don't listen to what I don't like. Uh, I, I look at what I, I like, and I don't look at what I don't like. Um, I feel what I like, and I don't feel. There's certain clothing materials I don't like to feel, and there's certain clothing materials I love to feel. Uh, I, I know I'm missing a sense here. Speaking, you know, I speak what I like. I don't speak what I like. I mean, there's 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 different. Uh, I think I can hear all the senses, but I think you got my point. That's that's my main thing. Taste and see. When we taste something, we're experiencing it. When uh, we when we can experience God's goodness, it's not just something we we have to. We, we're not limited to just reading about it. We're not limited to just hearing about it and the message of someone else. We can experience God's goodness for ourselves. We can taste and we can see it, His goodness. We can taste and see that God is good. Not that, not that He's going to be good, that He has the capacity of being good. It's not like, you know, well, you, your lucky day! God was good today! You know, God, God woke up on the right side of the bed! You know, it's not, it's not a chance. Taste and see that God is good. When we taste something, when we're, when we're tasting the goodness of God, when we're tasting God, we, it, depending on our taste, or let me rephrase that, depending on our experience of God, can determine how we feel about God. It shows us how we, and how we feel about God can determine how we really believe about Him. You know, there are certain people, because of, of my experience with them, I have a distaste, a bad taste, of my expectation of what they're going to say. There's some people, they don't tell the truth. And so, I don't believe anything they say. <laughs> that making sense? I'm trying to make a point. This also happens in our relationship with God. Some of us have had a bad taste of God. Whether it's because of someone else telling us about God, and, and, and that was, it was negative, it was wrong, it was off base, but we didn't taste it ourselves. You know, growing up, I was told by numerous people that spinach tastes bad. Here I am without vegetables, but I like spinach. I, I, it's, 
it, it's, not, it's not my favorite, but it's close to Even onions, I was told, was bad. And I love onions. I, especially red onions. That's my favorite. You know? But at the same point in time, uh, I like onions and I like spinach. I mean, when I get a Subway, I will ask for extra onion. When I make a dish, I will sometimes put the whole onion in there. Uh, chopped up, whatnot. Different, you know, I just love onion. I like spinach. Of course, I make it creamy with some nice ranch dressing and, and then cheesy and stuff. But I, and that's probably uh, downside is all the healthiness in it. But at the same point in time, I like spinach. Uh, I don't like it cooked, or even though we have a nice uh, a quiche that we make, a spinach quiche that we make. But it has eggs and cheese and other other creams in there. And so, it, 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 you know, it's not just raw spinach by itself. I would not eat raw spinach. Uh, I mean, cooked spinach just by itself. Can I have different tastes? And I've experienced something that I like and don't like. Broccoli. I like broccoli. I don't like it cooked, but I like it raw. We've had a nice broccoli salad that we make from time to time. <coughs> of course, there's an oil dressing in there that, that is helping uh, uh, the flavor. But at the same point in time, I don't like broccoli cooked. I like it raw. And so, uh, why? Because I've experienced something. I experience what I like and don't like. Uh, you, you can tell me how much you like it, don't like it, the, the, the totally opposite way that I like it. That's your taste. That's not my taste. Uh, and that's not my experience. But some people have had, uh, some people tell them their experience of God and therefore they have a bad taste in their mouth or a bad expectation of God. Or, or, or of God. But some people, because of uh, something that's happened in their life, maybe a prayer that hasn't been answered, Maybe it didn't want to be answered in the way they wanted to, or, or, or praying that it wouldn't have to be answered. And so because of experience, because of a negative experience, a tragedy or whatnot, they have blamed God. They have a, a distaste. They have a negative taste in their mouth. And in other words, they have a misperception of God. I'm not here to step on toes. I know this can be a very sensitive subject for some people in the direction I'm going with it at the moment. But at any point in time, uh, God's not wrong. God's not off. God is faithful to his word. God says by his stripes we were him. God doesn't cause evil. It says it this in Zephaniah. And God, God is not the author of evil. He cannot do no evil. He, he, he doesn't do good. And Jesus never, never went around pronouncing sicknesses and diseases on people. You never will once see God re put a curse on us that he redeemed us from. Sickness is a curse. I'm not talking voodoo. I'm not talking different things. I'm talking about it's a curse from the fall. Scripture is very clear about that. God, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. It says in Galatians 3.13. God's not going to give us something that his son Jesus paid for. But circumstances, our tastes, our experience, our misperceptions have sometimes painted a picture in our minds that we don't expect God to heal. That we don't expect God to come through. We have a distaste. We have a distrust in God because of our own perceptions. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to, the, the, to, to step on toes. I'm not trying to offend you. But at the same point in time, I'm not trying to become your enemy because I speak the truth to you either. As Paul would say. I'm trying to speak the truth. And the gospel is the goodness of God. And we need to believe the gospel. And the gospel includes 
that we are forgiven of all of our sins if we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The gospel includes that we have received salvation. The word salvation, soteria, the short form is sozo, and the Hebrew is Yeshua, and uh, the salvation we have received, and, and, and Yeshua in the, in, in the Hebrew says that the Lord is our salvation, which is mean, it means that's the name of Jesus. The Lord is our salvation. And the salvation, this word by definition in both the Hebrew and the Greek, means wholeness. It means healing. It means deliverance. It means prosperity. That's the nature of God. After this series, we're going to be talking about God revealed. We're going to be talking about the seven redemptive names of God. We're going, to re we, we're going to be talking about how God reveals himself by his name. And one of those names is healing. One of those names is righteousness. Another one of those names is he's our provider. God heals. God provides by nature. And by the Son, Jesus Christ, he has provided all these things, righteousness, provision, and healing in his Son, Jesus Christ. That is how God has revealed himself, by his names and by his Son, Jesus Christ. It is, Jesus is the expressed image of God. I'm getting off, uh, off topic a little bit, but I, I want to deal with this just a little bit. Because there are some people, when I talk about tasting God tasting his goodness. Some people have a sour taste in their mouth because of their experience. But God didn't put that sour taste there. People by their experience or by the enemy has had an experience in their life and they have attributed that, they have given uh, tribute to that experience to God. That they've been given tribute to that negative experience to God. And God's not the author of that. God's the author and finisher of your faith. The enemy kills, steals, and destroys. But God has come that you might have life and life abundantly. We, many people, have seen destruction in their life. And they have attributed to God. But Satan is the one who comes and kills, steals, and destroys. Not God. And because of their misperception and their anger and their emotion, they have misperceived God. And they're not seen as good. Because they put a wall up. There's some people, they think, there's been times in my life where people have thought I did something that I didn't do. And when I, that happened, they put a wall up. No matter what I say, they're not going to listen to me. I think some, a lot of us have had people like that. When someone gets a, 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 a perception uh, of you that is wrong, no matter what you say, they're not going to listen. And we have done that towards God. We, some, some people have, uh, have a misperception of God no matter what he said, no matter what you hear about him. You're not going to listen. You're not going to taste and see that he is good. And God, by his Holy Spirit, we need to allow him to break that mistaste. You know, uh, this could happen at a restaurant. Maybe it was just a bad day. Maybe they missed the ingredient in the recipe. I don't know what it was, but it just, and there's nothing wrong with the recipe. But the recipe, but, but, but it didn't come out right. And your only taste, your only experience of that is in its raw nature. Uh, a few years ago, and I've used this story before, I asked Sherry permission if I can share it, but we have our chicken pasta. It's made of chicken, artichoke hearts, uh, uh, zucchini, whatnot. It's a, it's a lovely dish. It's a pasta dish. Uh, noodles, obviously, but at the same point in time, instead of using garlic, 
Sherry accidentally grabbed the ginger. Starts with a G. One's garlic, one's ginger, two different distinct tastes. But instead of garlic, we had ginger in our pasta. Nothing's wrong with the recipe, but if you don't follow the recipe, it will taste different. Okay? Instead of a garlicky taste, we had a sweet taste to this pasta that we had. It's different. Okay? But I've had it before. And so this new experience, it was new. And it didn't make me not want it again. But sometimes we've had a bad experience, and sometimes it will negate all the good experience we've had. It didn't my case in this particular day. You know, there's been times even in some of my favorite restaurants, uh, El Cholo, in and out Once in a while, it's rare, but we've had bad experiences. And I can allow that bad experience to negate all the good experiences and let that, la that, that last experience that have a, a, an, an aftertaste in my mouth that I'll never go back. Yeah, I like it now enough that I, I'm El Cholo enough and, and I am going to go back. But am I making sense? We can allow a, a bad experience, a bad taste to, to have such an aftertaste in our mouth that we are not going to go back. And, uh, <clears throat> and sometimes it's just maybe the chef, chef had a bad day. Maybe you had a bad taste at, at, at a Walmart or a Target or your, or your favorite uh, commodity store or whatever it might be. And so you're like, you're never going to go back. You had a bad experience at Walmart. You had a bad experience at Target. You had a bad experience at Amazon. You had a bad experience at uh, uh, CFC or whatever, whatever it might be. Uh, I might have said that wrong. But you can't, you can't boycott all of them. Where are you going to get your toothpaste? <laughs> We're going to get any deodorant, shampoo, and all this stuff. If you boycott all of them, you, can, you, you know, at some point you're going to have to say, you know what, I'm just going to have to deal with this. But that's not the way of God. We don't, we don't have to just put up with things. We need to, to be taught the good word of God, the good news. We need to talk the full gospel. We need to... Uh, you know, all scripture is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And the man of God may be fully equipped for every good work. We need to hear the whole counsel of God. And we, if, if, if something's not lining up, if God's not the one that's off, we are. Some people don't like that. Some people make that, us, put the responsibility on us. Well, God... A lot of us say we're waiting on God, but God's not the one stuck. We are. We need His help. We need to read the instruction manual. We need His help. He has a, 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 he has a vision. He has a purpose that's full of life and abundant life. We're not the ones God. And we're resting in His goodness. We're not, in a sense, waiting on God. God's waiting on us. But we need to rest in His goodness and stop striving to be good enough for Him to accept them. He's already accepted us in Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians that we are already accepted in the beloved. We need to rest in His goodness, not rest in our goodness, because your goodness won't measure up, even on your best day. We're resting in His goodness. If there's any good in my life, every faith, every good and perfect gift has come from above. 
And it says in Philemon 1 6 that the communication of my faith becomes effectual as I acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. Every good thing that's in me is in Christ Jesus. And that's what I'm acknowledging, not me. And if my theology is wrong, if my experience is off, it's not God because He's faithful and true. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's faithful, faithful, faithful. He is a good, good God. And some of us need to get that taste out of our mouth and, and, and get a good taste of God. Taste and see that He is good. Some of you can't rest in that because you have a bad taste. And I'm sorry for your experience. I'm sorry what you've gone through. But God's not the problem. His word is not the problem. It could be you. It could be others. It could be a combination of things. It could be your misperception of God. Your misperception of the gospel. Your misperception of truth. Maybe how you were taught. Maybe how you believed it. How, how, you, how you processed it. I don't know what's on. It can be a combination of things. But it's not God. Taste and see that God is good. I want you, part of my heart in this church, part of my heart in everything we do, I want you to experience all that God has for you. I want you to taste it. I want you to experience it. I want you to be able to just taste and have that good aftertaste. There's sometimes when I've had a good meal, my favorite meal or a good meal, I just love the aftertaste. I'm full, I'm content, but I just got that savor in my mouth. Sometimes I don't even want to brush my teeth yet because I don't want to destroy that same flavor. I will eventually think, you'll be thankful I have. But at the same point in time, I'm trying to paint a picture. We can taste and see that he is good. And we can taste it all day long. Go with me. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. And we'll pick it up about verse 12. And this is Moses. Uh, they're in transit towards the promised land. They've been wandering in the wilderness because of their sins. Their sin of unbelief, which we've talked about before. We talked about in our last series from Hebrews chapter 4. But God, is, God and Moses are having a very intimate discussion about who will lead the Israelites into the promised land. And Moses is having a conversation with God and he's saying, Lord, don't just send your best angel. Unless you go with us. Unless your presence goes with us. I'm not going. Unless you're going, I'm not going. And if I'm not going, they're not going. No one's going. You know, in one sense of the word, that's a good attitude to have because unless God's going with you, might as well stay put. 
and I don't know if I, but his presence. We're going to talk, talk about this. But anyway, that's the scene. And God promises his presence will go with him. Let's start at verse 12. He says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. <coughs> and have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. Verse 14. And he, God, said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So stop there just for a moment. We've been talking about resting in his goodness. Where do we find rest? In His presence. It's in God's presence that you find rest. It's not anywhere else. You can't find it anywhere else. You can try your own goodness. You can try your own holiness. You can try your own righteousness. Rest is found in His presence. In His presence alone. God said, I will, My presence will go with you. And I will give you. That's a promise of God. Not only do we get rest, but we get the source of that rest, His presence. We have scriptures in the New Testament. He says that when we know His love, He will fill us with the fullness of God. That's in Ephesians 3.19. It also says in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, I think it's verse 14, of His fullness we have received grace for grace. We, in the New Testament, through Jesus Christ, we have received the fullness of God bodily. We have received His fullness. It says that those of us who have been saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the, the Holy Spirit. We have been baptized, emerged into the Holy Spirit. We have His fullness in us. And in that fullness, in the fullness of Him, in the fullness of God, in the fullness of His Spirit, there should be rest. I'm not talking about being passive. I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm not talking about being complacent. I'm talking about there should be this holy satisfaction of rest, fulfillment. Not because everything's going right on the outside, but because His presence is in us. And His presence is leading us where we should go and what we should say. It says that the Holy Spirit is our guide. He's our counselor. He's our helper. He brings things to our remembrance. We have a helper. We have his fullness. Verse 15. Then Moses, he, he, Moses, said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So shall we, we be separate. Your people and I, from all the people from whom who are on the, upon the face of the earth. Verse 17, So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do the same that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, Please show me your glory. And then he, God said, I will make 
all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be <coughs> gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, He is there, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, and so it shall be while my glory passes by, and I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. I want to skip forward just for time's sake. Skip down to chapter 34 and verse 5. And now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin. We'll stop there for now. There's a lot here, and, I, but, and that I can uh, piggyback on. But we're talking about resting in His goodness. God said two things in this, in this, in this, in this uh, that we're going to zero in on. He says, "My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest." And then He says, "And I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord." We're going to be talking about the name of the Lord. In our next series. But he says, My goodness will pass before you. Moses not, was not only going to, ex, was going to experience the presence of God, the rest of God. He was going to experience the goodness of God. I want you to notice a couple of things, though. When God revealed himself, he didn't reveal what he did, he revealed who he was. Do you see that? I will, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Down to verse 5 and 6, chapter 34, he, he says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord, and the Lord passed before him, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. We'll, 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 we'll piggyback on this a lot more in our next series. But God wasn't so much picky, say, proclaiming what he does, even though that's true. He was more proclaiming who he was. Because who he was is what he does. He's our healer. He heals. He's a provider. He provides. He's our savior. He saves. He's a good God. He does goodness. He's a merciful God. He shows mercy. He's a patient God. He has patience. Does that make sense? Who he is describes what he does. We don't need to put so much focus on what he does. We need to focus on who he is. Because who, who he is and what he does is one and the same. That makes sense? You know, we've, we've ministered to a lot of people through the years for healing, for wisdom, for direction, for relationships, for marriage, or whatnot. And we've had so many people that once we minister to them and once their answer comes, we don't see them anymore. Not just because we lost our friendship, but we just don't see them in the church anymore. We don't, you know, they were seeking the healing and not the healer. They were seeking the provision and not the provider. They were seeking wisdom and not the God of all wisdom. They were seeking uh, salvation but not the Savior. 
I want his fullness. I want the rest in him. Not on what he does alone. That makes sense? I want to taste and see that he is good. I want to rest in his goodness. In other words, I'm trying to paint a picture that God's after a relationship. Not just being our genie in the bottle. That makes sense. God always pursued a relationship with man. That's why he created us. That's why he redeemed us, that we could be in right standing with him, the righteous God in him. We couldn't have a relationship with God because we were in sin. But because of Jesus, we are the righteous God in him, so we can have a relationship with God. God the whole reason Jesus came was, not, was to redeem us, not just so we didn't go to hell, but so we could have, more importantly, so we could have a relationship with God. If not, yes, the avoiding hell is part of the package, but that it's about having it's about going to heaven. It's not just going to heaven because we escaped hell. It was going it's going to heaven so we can have a relationship with God for all eternity. We made hell the focus, and none of us want to go there, but we shouldn't even be focused on that. We should be focused on Jesus. And I'm, I'm not putting anything down, I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to step on toes. But a relationship with God needs to be the focus. Because it's His goodness that leads us through repentance, it says. In uh, Romans chapter 2, I think it's verse 4. It's His goodness. We need to experience the goodness of God. We need to experience a relationship with God. And when God reveals Himself to Moses, He, re he, says, he says, not only does He say, will I give you rest? But my goodness will pass before you. When the God, the, the, the almighty God, was going to reveal himself to Moses, <coughs> he revealed his goodness. <coughs> There's so many aspects that God could have revealed to Moses. But he chose to reveal his goodness. I don't know about you, but that, that is just tells me a lot. And God wanted to reveal his goodness to God. I mean, I said that wrong. God wanted to reveal his goodness to Moses. He could reveal a lot of different things, but that's where he started. And if that, if from, if from God's perspective, he saw that it was important that Moses got a revelation of his goodness, then I think we need to receive the same thing. That we need to see the importance, the vitality of seeing and experiencing the goodness of God. Am I making sense? Because some of us, we need to change our stinking thinking. We think God is anything but good. And we need to change that. If we're going to see experience God to his fullness, if we're going to be a man who's blessed because we trust him, we're not. you cannot trust a God you don't think is good. If you are not convinced that God is good, you will not trust Him. Are you going to trust someone you don't think is good? Are you going to stay married to someone who you don't think is good? I understand we have we can tolerate and be faithful, but are we going to experience a good marriage, a good relationship, a good uh, par business partnership if we don't think our partner is good? You can't trust. You can't have a relationship with someone you don't trust. That makes sense. You can stay in a marriage and not legally get a divorce, but are you are you really living a marriage? That makes sense. Are you 
married and stuck? Or are you married and enjoying it? Are you in a relationship with God? And in your relationship with God, do you feel stuck? Yeah, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven, but you just feel stuck with a God you don't trust. That is miserable. I hope I'm making sense. But we need to rest in His goodness. We want Him to take care of everything. But we can't get the cart before the horse. We need to trust in His goodness. We need to rest in His goodness. God made His goodness pass by and He revealed to Moses. And He's revealed to us who He is and who He was. When you taste something, you develop an expectation for that taste in the future. What have you tasted, God? Because what, whatever your experience has been of your taste of God is what you are expecting God to do in your life now. We're, get, we're, we're heading towards a direction. We've been talking about resting God, trusting God, relying on God. We're talking now about His goodness, resting in His goodness, because we're getting ready to go to the direction of, because He will take care of everything. But you cannot have an expectation, and you won't even experience God taking everything if you can't trust in His goodness, because you've had a bad taste. Your expectation is that He's not going to take care of everything because of your taste experience. Am I making sense? We're talking about faith. But when you have a negative taste experience, my friend, your, your faith has been shipwrecked. And Paul says in Thessalonians, I come to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. The communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. But if you can't acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus, because and from your perception, you can't see any good things in you in Christ Jesus, your faith will not be effectual. You will not have rest because you are not resting in His goodness. Instead, you might have a sour taste in your mouth. That makes sense? If I know that on the menu, I'm going to be having a food I don't like, I am not resting. There have been some events, and Sherry knows. I will eat before I go and after I go. But I'm not eating there. Because I don't want to experience that taste. Hopefully I'm making sense. Hopefully I'm making sense. And so, <clears throat> could I have an expectation of something bad? I have an expectation, expectation of something that I'm not looking forward to. See, experiencing God's goodness develops an expectation we create who God is like and what He will do. I want to say that again. Because this is really what I'm trying to say in this point here. Experiencing God's goodness develops an expectation we create of who God is like and what He will do. I want to say that again. Experiencing God's goodness develops an expectation we create of who God is like and what He will do. We need to taste His goodness 
Because if we don't taste his goodness, we have a sour, we have a misperception of what God is like and what he will do. And that, my friend, is probably the problem with almost most Christians today, including myself many times. I'm not teaching something to you that I have not experienced done myself. I've had misperceptions of God. I've been angry at God at times. I've been upset with different things. Wrongly so, and embarrassing so, but I've been there. I've been there. Praise God, I came out of that. But I've been there. I've had misperceptions. And so my expectations were wrong. And I didn't experience it. And I'm still not perfect. But I, and I, like Andrew Womack would say, I haven't arrived, but I've left. I'm, I'm experiencing more than I used to. I've experienced God's goodness and God taking care of everything more in the last few years than I have in my whole lifetime. And it's still not perfect. It's still off. It's still, it's still far short from what I, I should be experiencing, but it's been more. I need to taste and see that he's good. I need to be reminded that he is good. That his goodness, his mercy, his love endures forever. See, instead, uh, some of us, our expectations are based on what other people have told you. You haven't experienced it yourself. You go through the motions, you go to church, you, 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 you go live stream, you, 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 you do worship, you do a few things. Almost like checking off a chordless. I used to do that. On my toilet growing up, I had to make my bed, clean my room, which I wasn't good at. <laughs> you can ask my parents. I wasn't thankful of that, as I should. But it was also on the toilet I had uh, do devotions. I read my Bible. It, in my mind, I put it on my toilet. It was a chore. That's wrong. It's not a chore. It should be, you know, I didn't have to put on the my toilet play video games. I didn't have to put in the chore, watch my favorite TV show. I didn't have to put in the chore, eat some chocolate. It wasn't a chore. You don't have to put on a chore list. You don't have to, you don't need reminders to do what you want to do. Go hiking, go fishing, go to the beach. If you like doing it, if it's your hobby, if it's your, if it's your, if it's your favorite pastime, you don't have to put it on a list. You're doing everything on your list so you can do that thing. <coughs> and so, our relationship with God should be the first thing we do. Should be the number one thing we do. It's not a chore. But let me just say this. You don't have to base your, your experience of God your perception of God based on someone else. You can taste and see that God is good for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Alone. Don't take Andrew or someone else's word for it. Don't, don't even just take the word of God's word for it by himself in one sense. Experience it yourself. Experience God. He's not just on the page. He's not just out there somewhere. God wants you to have a relationship with you. God wants you to have experience His goodness. His presence where you find rest 
in his goodness. And you will, he will take care of everything. See, if we, we're, we're gonna, you're going to find in this teaching church, we're going to spend a lot of time on the first two parts. Because if we rest in his goodness, him taking care of everything, it's just a natural byproduct. It's just a natural byproduct. You don't even have to, we don't even have to spend time on that. But we have to labor to enter that rest. And we have to train ourselves to, to trust in his goodness. And we will rest in his goodness. Him taking care of everything is just a natural byproduct. That make sense? Turn with me real quick here to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. We're going to look at verse 32. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, our religious leaders. We're not going to really read into that whole conversation and that whole circumstance, but I just want to read verse 32 because he's quoting from the Old Testament. He says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Again, I, I'm not reading the whole context because that's not my, the scope of my message right now. I, I'm, I, I just want to use this. I could have picked a, a number of Old Testament verses to, to use this. I just used this one. Okay? So I don't have some secret agenda here. But I want you to hear what he's quoting. I want to hear this. And this verse, you'll see this verse several times in the Old Testament. When God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I love that. You know why? Because it's not about Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. God wants to be your God too. It wasn't good enough that God was a God of Abraham, but not Isaac's God too. It wasn't good enough that God was a God of Abraham and Isaac, but not Jacob's God too. We could go all the way down the genealogy, right down to you. And you could say, I am the God of you. I'm the God of David. I'm the God of Sherry. God wants to be your God. And also, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're talking about three different generations here. God wants to be the God of every generation. Whatever we call, you call yourself, what generation? Baby boomers? I can't even say the word. But there's different generations. It was not enough for God to become Abraham's God. He wanted to become your God. He wanted to become Isaac's God. He wanted to become Jacob's God. God desires every generation to know him for themselves. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know his goodness. And if you read the book of Genesis, you'll see that Abraham was rich. And you'll see that uh, uh, Isaac, his son, was, was uh, very rich. And you'll see that uh, it says that Jacob was extremely rich. And then you'll see that Joseph was the prime minister of Egypt. I could, I could talk, talk about a lot of different things, but they each had their own story to say, say and they all experienced the goodness of God. And the goodness of God is not just talking about prosperity. And prosperity is not just about money. But it doesn't exclude it either. It includes it, but it doesn't exclude it. 
God had to become the God of Abraham. God had to become the God of Isaac and Jacob. It wasn't just automatic. Just because your parents worship God doesn't mean you do. Just because your pastor does. Just because you go to a good church. Going to a good church doesn't make you a good Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. You need to experience God. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to taste and see that he's God. Good. Your pastor can tell you, I can tell you left and right, I can teach, I can teach the rest of my days, I can tell you how good God is. But you need to experience God. You need to have a relationship with God. Now, your relationship with God and my relationship with God may be a little different, but it will never be different than the principles of God's Word. That makes sense. Our experience might be different. You might experience God in Africa, I might experience God in America, but God's still the same God. <laughs> He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. <clears throat> I just might have an American experience, you might have an African experience. But it's the same God. That makes sense? Your experience might be have a different taste, a different flavor to it. You might have a McDonald's experience, I might have an in out experience. That might not be fair. Because one's fake, one's real. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Let that one go. Let that one go. God has made himself available to every man, to every generation. Showing every generation his goodness. If you haven't seen his goodness, that's because you're not tasting. You're not paying attention. God is not holding himself for anybody. You can have the same experience that Moses had, and God will reveal his goodness to you. It's not enough to know about God, because I'm telling you, your parents are telling you, Abraham told you, you but you need to experience him for yourself. He must become yours. Go be real quick here to we're wrapping this up here pretty soon. First uh, Peter. Actually, I think it's Second Peter. Let's, let's go to First Peter. First Peter chapter two. Yeah, Second Peter. I thought I had a wrong my notes. Second Peter chapter one, verse two. Actually, you know what? I was right. I, I was, uh, scratch all that. Dave, wake up. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Sorry, I was thinking, I was assuming my notes meant a different reference, but it was actually, my notes were right. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. This is a piggyback on Psalm 34, verse 8. You need to taste that he is good. You need to taste that he is gracious. If you're and I like this because in the context of Peter saying, if you're going to grow, if you're going to mature as a Christian, then you, first of all, need to desire the good, the, the, the milk of the God's word, that you may grow thereby. You don't want to grow off of someone else's opinion. Let me let me just pick it back on this. You need to grow 
Church, we need to grow by the pure milk of God's word. You do not want to grow just on someone else's word only. That person giving you the word may be a good person. Maybe you have a good pastor. But the, the only way you are getting the milk of God's word is being spoon-fed by a pastor. But you are not having a relationship with God on your own. Then you will, will, you will continue to grow up as an immature baby Christian. The more you eat the word and have a relationship with the word, the more you will grow. But I hope you get my point. I need to grow because I have a relationship with the Word, not just because I'm hearing about God secondhand, but thirdhand. That makes sense? There's nothing wrong with hearing good teaching. And there's some people I know they go from teaching to teaching, from teacher to teacher to meeting to meeting to conference to conference, but they don't have their own personal relationship with God. Something's wrong. And I and I don't mind a variety of teachers. I think sometimes we can do too much of that. Because we need a time to process it. We need a time to have a relationship with God. You know, if Sherry and I always went on dates, but we didn't do anything else, when are we going to develop the relationship? We need to live together. We need to, we need to live life together. Do things. That make sense? And so... Yeah, it's nice to, uh, to go on. And I, I, you know, if all I did was, see, and that's probably a bad analogy, because in a dating relationship, you're face-to-face. -face. You should be. It's hard to go on a date if you're both not present. But let's just play with that for a moment. Let's say that the way that we dated is that we had uh, a third party, and we didn't, the only way we communicated with each other was through another person. That is not a good relationship. But some people treat our relationship with God that way. Where instead of us having a face-to-face -face conference with God and His Word, the only way we're hearing about God is through a preacher. That make sense? See where my analogy now works? I need to have my own experience with God. Nothing wrong with me getting some, I mean, in some circumstances, getting something about Sherry third hand. But that should not be the primary way I experience her and our relationship. That makes sense? And when we, when we were infants, when we were babies, we had to be spoon-fed. We had to have someone prepare our, our, our bottle and our food and whatnot. But when we got older, some of our parents tell us, if you're hungry, get it yourself. <laughs> There's times where we all dine together, everyone pitches in to prepare the food and to clean up afterwards, and everyone has a part to play in a, in a family. But, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about eating together in that sense, but if you're hungry and if you need a snack, go help yourself. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's immature, it's unhealthy if you're always waiting on it. Anyway, I'm thinking off my, my, my point here. But as, as a baby, you have to be waiting on it. You can't prepare your own bottle. You can't, you can't prepare your own food. But as Christians, as we grow, and there are times where we need to be spoken by a pastor, by a mentor, by someone who's discipling us, 
But if, but as that relationship grows, and and if it's going to grow, we have to have our own relationship with God. That makes sense. Desiring the pure milk of God's word, that we can taste that He is gracious. Go with me in closing to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter 1, Mark's a little different than some of the other gospel writers. He just jumps right into Jesus' ministry. Matthew, Luke, we have a little bit of a uh, uh, transition. John's kind of similar way to Mark in one sense, but John's kind of unique in all the, all the other ones. Anyway, uh, this beginning of God's, I mean, this beginning of Jesus' ministry, I want to just read verses 14 and 15 real quick. Mark 1, 14 15, it says, And now after John, this is John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. After John the Baptist was in prison, it says that uh, Jesus began preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The word gospel, we talked about this many times, means good news. We're talking about resting in his goodness. The gospel is the good news of God. Jesus went about preaching the gospel, the good news, the goodness of the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is not here or there, but it's within you. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, we're talking about resting in his goodness and he will take care of everything. Jesus said, don't worry about everything that you need, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The gospel of the kingdom. God will take care of everything. If we will believe the gospel. If we will believe his goodness. Am I making sense? If that is what we're seeking first. His kingdom and his right. The gospel. It says in, verse, it says in Romans 1, 16 and 17. It says that the gospel is revealing the righteousness of God. The goodness of God. The gospel is revealing his righteousness. It's revealing his right relationship with us because of Jesus. That's what the gospel is And we need to believe it. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom is fulfilled. Or is at hand. It's here. It's not there. It's here. His goodness. The gospel, the good news of his kingdom is here. And Jesus was saying this before the cross. Now we're here after the cross. We're here after, and, and, and the disciples repeated the same question in Acts chapter 1. God, Jesus, are you now going to fulfill, uh, establish your kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know what the season, the times and seasons, but, but you shall receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in, 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 uh, in all the parts of the world. I can't, I can't quote it. Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. Hopefully you're making following my path, that the, the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom that God is establishing is good news. 
And it's at hand. It's here. The kingdom of God is here. It's within us. And we are to be witnesses of this kingdom. We're supposed to be witnesses of this. What's a witness? Well, a witness on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the witness stand is just giving a testimony of their experience. Of what they saw. What they witnessed. What are you witnessing? Are you witnessing his goodness? Have you tasted and seen his goodness? Or have you seen, you're, you've had a wrong misperception. Or have you seen nothing? Because you have not been desiring the good food of God's word. You have not been maturing. You only have what else so-and-so has taught you. But you have not experienced it yourself. Rest in his goodness. Says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And believe the gospel. This word repent. So, um, Metatonia means to change your mind. Repent. Change your mind. You can't change your behavior until you change your mind. That makes sense. <coughs> stop trying to become good on your own merit. Try, stop, but believe the gospel. Believe it. Rest. Rest. Stop trying to do it on your rest. I was talking about this in the first two weeks, that we need to rest from good work. We need to rest from trying to, to become good on our own merit. And we need to believe in His goodness. We need to rest in His goodness. Rest. Repent. And believe the gospel. Repent. Believe. Rest in His goodness. Believe it. Believe. Believe like this is true. Believe on what Jesus did and provided for you. This relationship, this righteousness. Because the, the gospel reveals this righteousness. The gospel reveals this right relationship we have with God because of Jesus. Rest in that. Believe it. Believe it. As if your whole life depends on it. Rest in it. Because this is the message Jesus preached. This is the message. Jesus, when he sent out the twelve, and he sent out the seventy, go and preach that the kingdom of God is here. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 10. You'll find that in Luke chapter 10. When Jesus sent out the twelve and the seventy. When he commissioned the church in Acts chapter 1 and beyond. He commissioned the church to go and be witnesses. You can't witness something if you haven't experienced it. I can't just give you a witness of what someone else has done. I need to give you a witness of what I have experienced. And it's time, church, that we experience the goodness of God. I can't tell you of your experience so much, but I can tell you that back in 2013, after five years in church and I didn't have anything, when God goes to go, go to Bible college and we obeyed His word that God, God provided for us, and for the first time in five years, I got a job. And since then, we have not been struggling financially. We've had some hiccups along the road that came to threaten that. But we never, we never were um, greatly uh, uh, um, hindered in our finances. God has been faithful to his word. We have, there's been things that have, have, have come against us in many different ways. But God has been faithful, faithful. Faithful to what he called us to be and what he's called us to do. I know that between 2009 and today, uh, I have never been sick with a cold or with a flu. I'm not going to get COVID. 
I'm not 19. I'm not going to give uh, any, any of these sicknesses and diseases. Why? My God is my healer. He is my provider. He is my sustainer. And even if I did get these things, by his stripes, I am healed. And I'm going to receive that healing. And I'm going to live in healing. God's going to meet our needs. My God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I can tell you time, I can give you story after story after story how God has met our needs. He's been faithful, faithful, faithful. I can rest in his goodness because he's been good to us. At times when I didn't see his goodness, at times when I got my eyes off Jesus and got my eyes on the storm. And I began to wallow, I began to relish, I began to meditate on all the bad that was happening and not on the good that was happening in the moment. But at times when I didn't, didn't focus on all the bad that was going on, I didn't focus on the circumstances and the situation, I focused on God, I saw His goodness. And God came through every time. Every time. Rest in His goodness and He will take care of everything. The gospel is good news. We need to believe his goodness. We need to believe his gospel. We need to believe. We need to repent from any other expectation and taste and see that he is good. Not just taste it, but see that he is good. Repent from religion. Repent from experiencing anything else but his goodness. We can experience it. We can taste it. You can taste it. It's tangible. You can taste it. We can experience the gospel of Christ. We can experience the goodness of Christ. We can experience the presence of God. Because in His presence there is rest. We can experience a relationship with God that is real and that is authentic. You know, if you follow Andrew Womack on his websites, he has what they call healing journeys. Many different testimonies that have been videotaped uh, 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 by interview. People who have had healing journeys, destiny journeys. That I, that I, sometimes not just by healing of a physical thing, but sometimes it's a financial thing or, or sin or something else going on. But there's a, there's a journey. And the, the, the key word there is journey. And some of these have experienced something almost uh, instantaneous, but most of these are a journey. And almost every single one of these, if you listen to it, they got the word. They got them. Some, of them, some of them, they needed a healing, and so they studied every scripture, every verse on healing. They studied it. They, they were laboring to enter that rest. They labored to, 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 to come into that place of rest, trusting God. I know what my bodies tell me. I know what my lab reports tell me. I know what the doctors are telling me. I know what my financial reports tell me. I know what the world is telling me. I know what my family and friends are telling me. But Lord, your word says that by my stripes I am healed. I'm going to stand in your word. I'm going to labor to enter that rest. I'm going to. And that was their journey. They, they breathed day in and day out. They, they, they spent all day quoting and standing on God's word, not just as some religious exercise, but as their life depended on it. They were retraining their mind. They were tasting it. They were tasting it. They were tasting it. And they said, I, I, got, I, got, a, 
I'm not going to just listen to other voices. I'm going to hear what God says. And let God be true and every man a liar. No disrespect to the doctors. No disrespect to the loved ones who were telling them otherwise. And their own bodies that were telling them otherwise. And they stood and stood and stood. It was a fight of faith. And they saw their miracle. They saw their healing. They saw their provision. They saw their life being changed and turned around for good. But they had to fight. It was a rest. But it was a labor to enter into a rest. The labor was not so much restful. But the trusting that there was, they, were, they, they chose to remain steadfast. They, re, they chose to remain unmoved. That part is the rest. The labor to enter in that rest was a daily struggle, a daily journey. But as they chose, as they, as they, 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 they disciplined their mind and, and uh, the, the influence of their mind. You know, we have the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower talks about one seed on four different soils. And depending on what soil landed, there was a different outcome. But the one soil, seed that fell in the good soil, there was a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 full. And in Mark's translation of that, in Luke's translation of that, I forget who says what, but Jesus says, take heed what you hear, or take heed how you hear. What you listen to, how and how you listen to it, will determine whether that seed is fruitful. 30, 60, or 100 fold. You need to take heed what you hear. And there's some things, they're good, they're not, they're, and it says that they're noble. I believe many of the doctors out there are noble, not all of them. I believe many of the voices out there, the people who love you, love you dearly, that's noble. But if, if it's noble and it doesn't agree with God's word, it's not good. That makes sense. <clears throat> And, and so there's some voices you have to extract them out of your life. Especially when you need to hear God. And you need to not taste what the doctor saying. You need to taste that he is good. No disrespect to doctors. If you're not going to do that, then yes, trust the doctors. Because if you're not going to trust God, then you have nothing else to trust too. Now can you trust that God, God will lead the doctors? Absolutely. I think there's a better way, but you can do that too. Am I making sense? But I believe the better way is to trust God. Now, if God leads you to the doctors, so be it. Okay? But I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see Jesus doing that. They had doctors then, maybe not like today. And again, I'm not against doctors, I'm not against medical science in and of itself. But I'm going to submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. That makes sense. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, stand. Um, we need to stand. We need to stand in God's word. We need to stand with the form of God. We need to stand resting in his goodness. When Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 was facing three vast armies that were coming against him, and Israel at the time did not have a military advantage. My understanding, they didn't even have weapons at the time, or not sufficient anyway. 
And, and, and just also that prayer, prayer of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. I love it. It's a long prayer. But at the end of the verse, he says, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. That's a good place to be. And then he, he sent out his, his army with the worship team on the front lines, singing, His mercy endures forever. And when they got there, God had set ambushes, and the battle had already won. But sometimes the enemy is coming at you and you've done nothing wrong. Put your worship team, put your focus on his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Let your focus be like Jehoshaphat. Lord, I don't know what to do with my eyes are upon you. Focus on his goodness. Focus on his mercy. Focus on your God. It might sound like that's all you know to do. That's all you need. Even if you did have weapons of mass destruction, even if you did have a, a military that could harm, that's the best place to be, is trusting His mercy. There was, there was wars when God told them to fight, and He would whip them. There was times when He told them to stand still and see the salvation of God, like in Jehoshaphat's days. There was times that God sent hornets ahead of them. There was times that God did different things. Gideon, he had a different strategy. He just got lanterns in a, in a clay pot. I mean, some, some of these military strategies that we read in the Old Testament are not ones you will learn in the police academy or in boot camp or other military strategies. But trusting God in His goodness is the best strategy. And when the end time events begin to unfold in our day, we need to have a relationship with God that is resting in His goodness because He will take care of everything. We need to see His goodness like Moses. We need to experience it. We need to experience that the kingdom of God is here. We need to believe. We, we need to repent from whatever else we're doing and believe His goodness. Believe His gospel. Anything else is wrong. Anything else is out of order. I don't want to trust the doctors more than I trust God. I, again, I'm not anti-doctors. That's not my point. My point is I need to rest in His goodness. And sometimes I need to extract other voices out of my life. And I'm only going to hear God. Because He's the only voice that matters. That makes sense. I need to taste and see if God's good. But sometimes I can't taste things because I got other I got other things that are, are are drowning out the taste. That makes sense. There's some you know, there's some things I just don't want on the same plate. I like chocolate, but I don't want to share that chocolate flavor with anything else. Sometimes I like some things mixed in there, like some creams or ice cream or cake or whatever. But I don't want some vegetables in my chocolate plate. Some people like chocolate chip pancakes. I, I like pancakes and I like chocolate. Just keep them on two different menus. You know, I, anyway, I'm, I'm just trying to make a point. Sometimes we have to shut everything else out and hear God. But if we have a lifestyle of every day where well, we do that, every day we spend time with God. We don't necessarily have to make a, a point of time necessarily. 
Because we do it every day. Ever since. We have a lifestyle of resting in his goodness. And the natural byproduct is that he takes care of everything. Alright. God bless you. We'll pick it up next week where we left off here. And uh, God bless you and we just pray us out. Lord, we just thank you for your word. That's the only thing I'm trying to convey. I don't know how well I'm conveying those. But Lord, teach us all afresh what it means to rest in your goodness. And that you will take care of everything. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.